Hello and welcome to Unframed, conversations about the arts on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon and streaming live around the world at cfcr.ca. I'm your host, Michael Peterson. With me here tonight is Carol Epp. Carol has been on the show before, a local ceramic artist. Thanks for joining me, Carol. Thanks so much for having me again. Okay, so uh, a few things have happened since the last time you were on the show. Most recently, you were named Ceramic Monthly's 2017 Ceramic Artist of the Year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which is just start with the most embarrassing thing. Okay, we'll just jump right in. You know, <laughs> um, it's well, it's a big honor, and this is an international magazine. So I, I thought it would be good to um, bring attention to one of our local artists who's uh, getting this award. But I, yeah. I I thought it would be good too to talk because I know the award is based certainly on the work you're doing, but it was also they mentioned in their press release about the community that you're building and the contributions you are making two ceramic communities both here and um, really internationally and I think in our community here sometimes we don't always get the opportunity uh, to see what happens in those sort of larger contexts so I was wondering if you might be able to give us a bit of a yeah fill us in a little bit about you know when you're going down to a ceramics conference or what what this community building is like Sure. So, well, I mean, first of all, it was a huge honor to be um, given this award. And it was it was definitely one of those things that sort of came out of left field and I sort of shocked and didn't believe it at first. But um, the magazine, what they do is every year they pick um, an artist that they feel it's not specifically about the work that they're making. I mean, that's part of it. If you if I didn't make some level of OK work, then I wouldn't get it either. But they, they're looking sort of at um, artistic practice and how, you know, as artists, we're not just spending all of our time in the studio and then the rest of it sort of takes care of itself. And so they're looking for artists who um, are really sort of participating and and reaching out beyond their, their physical studio practice to other levels of engagement within the community. And so I've in the past, well, I still do over the last seven, eight years, I've been running a ceramics based blog that's an international um, helping people find and connect with different galleries or with different opportunities, residency opportunities, showcasing a lot of artists' work um, through sort of Monday morning eye candy. A lot of emerging artists get exposure and stuff like that there as well. Um, so it was things like that that and like our Make and Do initiative, which we talked about last time I was on the show. It's projects like that, I think, that drew got me the attention from the magazine um, and sort of made that come together. And as well, and let's talk about some of those as well. And then I, I know you've been involved heavily in different conferences too. Like I'm thinking of NSICA, is that correct? Sure, or? yeah. The NSICA is the National Council for the Education of Ceramic Arts, which is a, a conference that's held every year in the U.S. in a different city. Next year it's in Portland, last year it was in Kansas City. And so I try and head down as much as I can. Um, in some ways, because in North America, I mean, basically what's happening in American ceramics has like a huge voice because there's a huge audience for it. And there's a, a massive amount of artists who are working in the States in ceramics. And so in Canada, we've got a lot as well, but we're not sort of getting the same airplay or bandwidth as what's going on in the States. And so I've done what I've been trying to do is sort of bridge the gaps between the Canadian audience and the American audience. And we're trying to bring even with our make and do project, which highlights Canadian, specifically Canadian ceramics. Um, there's a core group of 15 of us. And then we we talk about a bunch of other artists across all of Canada. So we're trying to bring that down to the States too, to sort of get more exposure for Canadian ceramics while we're down there. But 
yeah, those conferences, like you were, you were asking me outside of this, you know, like what's it like to go to a conference like that? It's basically going to, you know, an amazing city and every art gallery that you stumble upon has ceramic art in it and top quality ceramic art in it. And everybody you run into is a ceramic artist. And, you know, it's like 5,000 of us descending upon a city. And it's there's no greater sense of community when you're in an environment like that. I mean, I love doing stuff online and being really actively involved with my online community, but going to a conference like that, you know, whether a conference in Canada or a conference in the States or wherever, I mean, it sort of reaffirms everything that you do online, day to day, back home in your studio, because that community is right in front of your face and they're, they're awesome. <laughs> when you're talking about uh, there being ceramics in every gallery, is that the norm in these cities or does that change for when the conference is happening like oh it changes for it's sort of taken over when the conference is okay. there and so um like the the conference itself they organize a certain number of, of exhibitions and there's some that are juried and some that are curated or invitational and and then um different artists will will send in proposals to to run other shows as well i've taken um in the past years and years ago like i organized an exhibition of canadian and australian ceramics and we had that at, at sort of like a, I think it was at a college gallery so lots of other small public galleries or commercial galleries will be will sort of open up for that week hmm. that that sort of space so they're very short shows and they're really geared towards all of the ceramic artists who are there but it's also I think it's incredible if you lived in a city like that to just suddenly have this like mass influx of amazing ceramics like in coffee shop galleries and and in your public galleries and just sort of be overwhelmed by it for a week and then have it disappear well, and, and really creating a draw out of the ceramics to bring, I'm assuming not just people from that city, but people from surrounding cities in to see some of these ceramics and to... Absolutely. Yeah. And there's even some larger galleries in the States, like they, they'll bring in um, a bunch of their collectors. There's one well-known woman, Leslie Farron in the States, and she brings this collectors tour every year and literally like just takes these guys around on buses and shows them what's happening in terms of ceramic arts. I mean, it's an, it's an incredible, it's not just, a, you know, about meeting other people or seeing this work, but it's about getting the sense that, that there's a lot of respect for that type of art um, there's a lot of valuing of that type of art and, and that we're all sort of working together for common goals and common exposure which you come back feeling pretty inspired after something like that it seems like and I think we talked about this last time you we were on the show but it seems like there's such a great community around ceramic arts and yeah it's because we have to sit around kilns late at night in Stokewood and <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, that's always been the case you talk to people who were in painting or printmaking and stuff like that I think a lot of it comes from the fact that the equipment is incredibly expensive and so you often do have shared communal spaces there's a lot of technical issues that that we come up against that you need a lot of outside help right and there's you know there's also just like the pain and anguish of being a ceramic artist and having kilns that explode on you and things that go really poorly and so we're like a support system <laughs> for each other when things because things can go horribly wrong and it's not like a painting that you just sort of go back into it and like okay I can fix that tomorrow things are, are done you've spent two months working on something and it cracks in the kiln and and you're sort of yeah you're starting from scratch again and so these are sort of like the ties that bind our community I think in terms of we've got these common struggles and we've got that whole common struggle of the art and craft debate and stuff and like yeah we're all just fighting the same fight the art and craft debate yeah I or I guess I just what my comment was going to be there is how nice it is that ceramics can stay accessible too because I think Absolutely. there's I, I think there is a similar community that can happen in printmaking and I think a lot of the th similar things in terms of equipment in terms of the amount of time in terms of preparing something and then having the the press it doesn't print yeah. the way you thought it would right but and printmaking can certainly stay accessible but I think sometimes it moves more to that sort of trying to be more on the art side of things where mm -hmm. ceramics stays 
you know, it, it stays so that people do do tours of going and seeing ceramics and you can have these kind of communities. I think that's really interesting. But yeah, you guys should do them for making too. Come on. We should. I, it, <laughs> and maybe it's happening out there more than I even realize. But yeah. um, like you say, the, ceramic, the the communities in the States, given the size and given some of the resources that are just different than here. Yeah, well, and I think, I mean, in the States, you compare the education system as compared to Canada. There's a lot of schools that have, you know, a resident ceramic artist in an elementary school. So these guys are getting taught how to throw pots when they're still in elementary school. So that sort of learned experience and understanding of the material and process and stuff, I think, leads towards not whether or not they become artists or not, but at least towards an understanding where people value those kinds of objects differently. And, and sadly, I mean, my kids go to a very arts-focused school here in Saskatoon, and, and that's amazing too, but not everybody has that accessibility to a better understanding about the arts and the value of arts in our everyday lives. Sure. Well, and then moving from that to talk about... A, like sort of this, so you've got this community that uh, you're part of. You were talking about the blog that you do. I, I'm just, we were talking about this a bit because outside of this conversation, you and I work together to doing professional practices through my gallery. Yes. And we've, so we've been having a fair number of conversations on these more generally. And one of them that I, I always find interesting is sort of that idea of how you're, especially in the early stages, but obviously later on in the stages two of your career, like as you're advancing, it's this idea of how you how you build your career. And one of those aspects is about being involved in the communities and creating communities. And so we, we were talking about this last night, how the blog you run, Musing About Mud, it, it, as much as it isn't something that you're getting a financial gain from, or that is specifically to promote your work, it's something that is still a part of your practice and something that you know, has been really important to you and that influences your career. And so I'm wondering if you can take us a bit about to what the impetus was there or what that's been like running that. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you sort of talk about financial gain and stuff too. I just want to tell the story. I had this, I was on a plane last week going to Toronto and I was sitting beside a gentleman who's a business owner here in Saskatoon and talking about money and talking about all these things and, and the projects that he's done and all of the stuff. And we were, I sort of made a comment at one point when he finally asked what it was that I did. And I said, I was an artist. And I said, you know, I said, it's not about these tangible things about money and whatnot. And he's like, oh, but money is what makes you happy. And I said, no, it's not. It definitely isn't. And it's I mean, it's not that you don't want stability and um, security in your life, because I think we all need that, especially when you have kids and all that kind of stuff. But for me, it's never like the blog and all of the and other initiatives that I've taken. It's not it's not about financial gain. If it had been, I would have, you know, monetized the blog a long time ago and I would have sold ad space and I would have taken a very different approach to it. Um, I guess how I've always approached things is that the more you do for other people, um, the more sort of good things come back. It's karma, right? You put good out in the universe, it comes back to you. Um, so I've never been really good at talking about my own art or sort of trying. And as an artist, you have to do that. Nobody just shows up at your studio door begging to give you money for your work. So you have to be out there and marketing it and whatnot. And I'm not really good at that. I don't, I'm, I can talk about my art, but I, there's this lack of confidence I think that most artists have where you just, you can't really just be like, yeah, this is why you should buy it. And this is awesome, blah, blah, blah. This is why you need to have this part of your life. Um, so for me, having things like the blog is I can, I can push a lot of attention on a lot of other people. So I can, I can do that. I can be that spokesperson for other people's art. Um, and then what happens is just by proxy, then I still get noticed, right? And so um, I make it noticed by the fact that, oh, well, she's always showing these other, these artists every Monday, there's like brand new eye candy in it and whatever. But then it's like, well, who is she? 
right? And so by proxy, I get a little bit of attention from my art without actually having to talk about my art. Um, the same way it's like I advertise a lot of exhibitions and stuff. And I'm sure there's been times where, you know, you've got a, a jury or a, um, a group of curators sitting in a room trying to figure out who's going to be in a show. And, you know, if I'm sitting, my name's sitting in a pile beside some other people and they go, oh, well, her work may not be as good as those other people, but if we bring her in, she's going to advertise it really well, you know? And so it's like all these little things that give you a leg up within the community that you need to be um, a part of and that you need to support you back. So it's like the more I can support the community, hopefully in turn, the more they'll support me back. And it's been that, um, you know, and that award really sort of showed me that. It's just like I've been giving as much as I can um, to that community and like having that recognition has been really touching. I think that's part of what's so interesting to talk to you about this because I think you and I have similar philosophies in terms of that building the community and that fact that you're, you're doing it for the community, but you do get, you, you did, like you say, you receive benefits from that too. Yeah, but they're just that, not tangible, like. But because <laughs> it's harder to argue with that person on the plane that you're getting tangible benefits back because, you know, it's, there aren't tangible, or that you're getting benefits back. Well, most of the world sees things in dollars and cents right. value, right? And they don't. I think a lot of people have a very different focus where the they feel this need to really focus on what it is that they're doing and advertising that or pushing that and pushing their career. And I really believe in the philosophy that, you know, the rising tide lifts all the boats. And so the more we work together as a community, the more we're raising everybody and that you can't just push yourself forward and expect that that's going to work for you. But if you push everybody forward with you, you know, the value of ceramics and people willing to pay $40, 85 dollars for a ceramic cup most forward because we're all sort of pushing that forward and but with the award too it's just there is a tangible that came out of it and that's part of what i find so interesting it's like okay but this philosophy does work you know i don't know yeah. at least it's nice to have those sometimes i guess i would say it is oh it's incredibly nice to have those yeah it's like justifying the last 10 years of my life without sleeping and volunteering all my time it's, it's awesome but it's also an to me that's Interesting that you took that path because, again, it's not one that a lot of people take coming out of grad school or because it was after grad school you started this or before? Yeah. 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 To say, okay, now I'm going to start this blog where I'm going to take this focus off of my own work and put it on others. And it's, I think it's, as we were talking about, it's a difficult conversation to have with other people to say, this is, you know, something that is actually valuable both for the community and for myself. Like mm -hmm. you say, it's a, it's a long investment so I'm, I'm wondering how that decision comes up after grad school to say okay this is this is what i'm moving to i don't think it was a conscious decision it was just sort of an organic okay let's try out some stuff and seeing sort of what would work i don't think it was like i said out a business plan i'm not that organized by any means but i think it, with anything like i look at the artists that that I feel are really successful within the ceramics field. Like you look at people like Ben Carter, who runs an incredible podcast. Um, people like Mariko Patterson, who, you know, are very involved in all these different facets, and they organize exhibitions. Like Christopher Reedflock, and he's part of those fusions in Ontario that organizes big ceramics and glass shows um, for Canadian artists and stuff. These are people who have their own personal practice and who are making pots or making sculptural work, but then they're highly involved with the community and they're they're always popping up under your nose, right? So you see, you can't hide, you can't hide behind when you're organizing things. Like you're going to be seen as that person that's doing that. I think people really respect the people who, you know, put their values and their, and their time on the line to invest not just in themselves and in the community. So it's like getting, you know, I think that's, I've seen that success with other people too. And so I sort of follow how other people are doing that and go, okay, that, that works for them. That's, that's part of that. 
professional practices, those you're learning from others, but you're not just looking at, I guess what I would say is the product of what they're doing, but a lot of that life that they're living around that and saying, how, how are, how are they forming uh, like a, like an, a life as a ceramic artist? Yeah. Well, and like, okay, so somebody like Ben Carter, I mean, he's got, it's called Tales of the Red Clay Rambler, and it's a podcast, and he travels around the world interviewing different ceramic artists or collectors, right? And so in a lot of ways, it's this incredible resource. It's like this encyclopedia of ceramic artists for the rest of us to listen to. And and he's an incredible interviewer, and, and it's there's always these amazing stories and stuff that come up. But at the same time, I mean, what an amazing job. He's traveling everywhere and meeting cool people. Right. And so I think it's it's also just about like sort of diversifying your practice and get and you get a lot in return as well. I've met a lot of amazing people thanks to the work that I've done with music or with making do and stuff like that. So there's it's it's not even so much about the professional stuff, it's just about living a really incredible life surrounded by amazing people. That goes back to this conversation of professional practices, which is one of my favorite topics and something I bring up often on the show and something we're working on together. But I remember having talking about this with you the other night as well, is this idea of how you can communicate that it isn't just about taking good photos of your work or marketing yourself well, but having things to market in as much as becoming involved in these communities, starting initiatives, yeah, building relationships, and that having good photos is just one maybe one way to show some of this, but you can't disconnect it from everything else that goes with that life. No, and I, I think like in the course that we're we're teaching right now through Void Gallery and Creative Commons, this, um, social media for artists and stuff, um, a lot of what I keep telling the classes is this focus on the idea of the story, right? And so it's like you need to make an incredible product or art, whatever you want to call it. A product sounds commercial, but so you need to have that. But then it's yeah, what are the stages beyond that in terms of how do you get this out into the world and stuff? And so yeah, we've talked a lot about photography and how um, through photography, you can have a stunning photo and it's all in focus and the lighting and stuff is perfect. But um, how do you get beyond that to tell a story about who you are as an artist, um, how this art object could impact somebody's life, how it's like, what are its influences and what what's the sort of story behind where that piece came from? And so we've been talking a lot about like building Instagram um, and using Instagram as a way to sort of tell this broader story about art um, and about the makers behind it. And I think that for me, I know there's been a huge shift in um, how people approach my art or talk to me about my art since um, being on Instagram and sharing a lot of in-studio process and sharing a lot of the the influences and things that I'm doing and seeing that that influence my art practice. It's like when I when I go somewhere, it's like the conversation has already started with a lot of like with your viewer or your audience because they've seen all of this stuff leading up to it and so there's this different interaction with your work that I don't feel like I had 10 years ago 10 years ago is like somebody would walk in they would see the object first now they're actually seeing quite a bit of content and context before they see the object if if there's somebody who follows you right um, and I think that's really shifting this relationship between artist and and viewer in a really exciting way because for me my work has always been about this object is being sort of just this catalyst between myself and my viewer in terms of creating a dialogue. It also puts a large impetus on you then to, you know, be able to document and to be able to share about your life and to have a story sometimes to tell. Yes. (laughs) And I guess part of that I find for you is also the fact that there had to be a story there when you started, you know, you'd been doing this for years when Instagram came out. Yeah. and I think it can be a challenge sometimes for artists as they're starting out to know how to tell a story. 
Absolutely, but I think you have to just start with the idea that everybody does have a story and that everybody's story is relevant, right? The, we're all really, whether or not we, we talk about it a lot, we're all really interested in the human condition and we're, you know, we're voyeurs in terms of, and we love Facebook and social media because we get to tap into other people's lives, right? You know, before social media, it's like you go for a walk at night and you get to sort of peer in people's windows if their lights were on kind of thing. And now it's like we can do that on this grandiose scale. And, you know, I've met people at craft sales that are like, I really like your couch. <laughs> it's like, ah, that's so creepy. <laughs> but, but it is that, right? And so, but everybody has a story. Um, and so it's just a matter of, I always tell people like the, you don't have to put everything out there and you don't have to sort of expose everything, but the more human you are in telling your story and the more honest you are, um, that's what people attach to because that's what, that's who they are and that's what they're looking for in their lives as well. Well, and I remember you were talking to that class as well and speaking about how it, the fact that the way you present your work works for you doesn't mean that someone else is going to have that same personality and so therefore present their work in the same way. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, it varies. It's as unique as each and every one of us is, right? But what I think is interesting to hear, and I think sometimes something that gets missed, though, is that it's this it's the story, the personal story behind it, rather than say the story of the pot itself or the story of the making of the pot. You know, there, there's there's a movement away from that focus on purely the object or the materials of the object. Too. Yeah, you're selling a lifestyle. You're selling um, a value system or an aesthetic beyond the object. Yeah. But also with your practice too, and I think this is something that has built out of the when when Instagram started too, because you'd been doing this blog, you also had this catalog in this history of showing other work other people's works and so it was also this community to start with and I think that's another thing for me too that's always is that sometimes you need to also get involved in those other initiatives as as something Mm -hmm. to promote when you're doing this too so that you can show hey I'm also involved in this or we're doing this thing yeah well because I've talked about Instagram accounts as being sort of like these expanded portfolios for artists where you're showing you know it's like a it's like you've opened up your sketchbook for people and so they can see you know, all the different stages of it. But I think oh, there's a lot of people who use Instagram in a really nice way where, you, yeah, you're sharing a lot of other things from within your community. And I try and do that as much with my Instagram account as I do with the blog. So I have things like I've, you know, this hashtag, like the best damn thing I saw today. And that's always just like a daily repost of, you know, just literally what was something amazing that came through my feed that made me pause. You know, when you're flipping through Instagram, made me pause more than the two seconds to click the heart button, right? It was like, this one stopped me in my tracks, so I'm going to share that. And it's just, yeah, you can build community in really interesting ways and, and just through conversation and, and active involvement with, there's a lot of Instagram accounts where, you know, they have guest artists for a week who sort of take over the account and showcase what's going on in different parts of the country or whatever. And there's like, there's so many great communities that are just, that are there and really active and that, yeah. Well, and you're often asked to talk about social media here and in other spaces and yeah I guess is it what's it like bringing people into that sort of space especially you know like are, are these are you finding these fairly easy conversations to have now or is it about really changing people's perception of how like the conversations about like teaching social media or the, the conversations in those like when you're working with people in social media is yeah. are you bringing in is it often coming as somewhat of a surprise your the way you're approaching it or the way um possibly i think i mean i think sometimes when i teach a class people expect this like top 10 ways to get more followers kind of deal <laughs> which i mean i come is full disclosure i mean what works for me is not going to work for anybody else 
And I don't, if I wasn't doing this, I don't know what would work for me, right? And so it's always been just a matter of developing a path that made sense that I was comfortable with in terms of the tools I was using in social media. You know, I'm not on Periscope. I can't do videos. That kind of stuff freaks me out. And so it's like you got to test out different things and, and sort of follow trends to a degree, but you have to figure out what's comfortable for you. And so it's in some ways it's hard to teach those classes because people want, you know, like this, if I do this and then I do this and then I do this, it equals this. And it doesn't work that way at all. It's just, it's always, it's just a matter of engagement. Well, and I think we're coming to the end of our time here, but uh, just to come back around a bit to that discussion of these larger communities that you're part of, if you could have a wish, if you could say how you would love to see Saskatoon's community build or what you, or is that, what would you, how would you like to see the ceramics community here, you know, grow and build in the coming years? Oh, I, I mean, I w- what I sort of love and what, what I would love to see and which is part of this Make and Do initiative that we started um, as a sort of international collective is to, is to really get what's going on within each province, greater exposure outside of that province. And Saskatchewan's got some amazing, amazing craftspeople um, who are making stunning work, but who have really, and they've built an incredible market for themselves within this province. Um, but then on a national or international scale, the work isn't being seen. And this is work that I look at it and I go, this competes with stuff internationally, no problem, right? It's that caliber and quality of work. And so um, I would love to see um, a lot more of that that kind of work getting international exposure. And so that's, I mean, it's sort of a wish, but that's like what we're trying to do with Make and Do. That's great. Uh, as I was mentioning, uh, you are coming on here as an interview guest, but you're also working with Void. Um, we're offering these professional practices courses. And uh, if if anyone does want the information, it's jointly offered through the Saskatchewan Craft Council and Creative Commons. So if you go to sascraftcouncil.org or go to creativecommonsyxe.com, you can find out more information. Carol's is currently running, but we have other programs coming up. Um, but yeah, uh, and just did want to take that moment to, you know, mention and talk about this award a bit because it's the kind of thing, again, because I feel like just as the community here is building, but it's still an international community. And like you say, it's often gains more attention. I think even like uh, things like the award itself can almost gain more attention out of the province than within it. So I think it's mm-hmm. good to take a moment to, to stop and talk when one of our artists wins a well, fairly major international award and sort of Well, and I like the fact that it does. I mean, I some people commented right away, um, like on Facebook and stuff, and they're like, a Canadian won it, you know, because it's normally Americans who win that award and stuff. So it's really, it's, I kind of feel like it's like, oh, it's fun for the team, right? Like you draw attention. It's not about me. It's like about drawing attention for Canadian ceramics or Saskatchewan ceramics. It's like, yes. <laughs> Always talking about the community. That's great. Oh, can we talk about the show that's on right now at Void real quick? <laughs> sure. This is going to totally put you on the spot. As people are listening to this right now, we're actually standing, you know, not in the radio because it's not live, but we're actually standing at Void Gallery um, because there's an opening reception for our Make and Do show. Um, So everybody should just stop listening to this and just get in your car, get on your bike and walk over and come see us. Seven to nine at Void Gallery tonight. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, Carol. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Michael. It's always a pleasure. Again, I am Michael. This has been Unframed Conversations About the Arts on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon. A reminder, you can always follow us follow us on social media. We're Unframed Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like to hear this again or any of our past episodes, we podcast at unframedradio.com or on iTunes.
Thank you and have a good evening.